Leo Routon. Leo Routon. Leo Routon. The youngest ever to play on the national team, 16 years old. You had 14 knee surgeries. Well, I was worried about the end at the beginning. See a lot of guys struggle. I got former players that I coach struggle. I got guys I played with the struggle. And it should be talked about early on. I just knew I was going to play in the NBA. It would be stupid for me not to have a plan, an idea that this could stop tomorrow. Your degree means nothing. Your resume means everything. So anytime I was injured, anything, I started building this resume. Mm. So when the day finally came where I'm done, I had a resume. Like I did a ton of stuff for no money. You know you gotta go shoot a, a thousand jumpers, say, well, you need to get on the phone, make two hours phone calls. This was my best deal, I signed to France. My foot goes like that, you could hear it. my knee. I had some cocktails, felt sorry for myself, got up next morning, made phone calls, I had a job on TV a week later. Welcome. Today's guest is a very special one. You've probably seen him from his 30 years uh, in television. You know, I mean, working for the Raptors as a broadcaster. He's 16-year-old basketball prodigy. He's the youngest player to ever play on the Canadian national team. He is on the Syracuse All-Century team, a Canada Basketball Hall of Famer, Ontario Basketball Hall of Famer. Went to University of Minnesota, standout at Syracuse. He's the first player in Big East history to record a triple-double. He did that twice in the same month entered the NBA draft, was a first-round pick, the second Canadian to ever do that, a basketball legend. And I know we use that term loosely, but he really is Mr. Leo Round. We've had the pleasure of, as I said, you know, having some conversations um, off, off camera. And a few things you said really um, stuck with me, and that's why you know I want to sit down with you and do this. But um, I know a bit about you, but for the people who don't, could you tell us about you know um, your family background? Well, the big thing for me is I, I think that really set the tone for where I went to in my life is my background is Lithuanian. Yeah, and uh, we all play basketball. Yeah, national sport in Lithuania. So all the kids here, even though I played hockey like everybody else. We were all hoping. Mm -hmm. uh, we had the Church of the Resurrection on the west side. We had priests that came from the States and knew basketball. They were coaching us. You had, uh, you know, my brother my brother and his friends were really my driving force because our brother played for Canada, got yeah. drafted, got scholarship to the States. And, you know, whatever he did, I just had to be better. How old was he? Uh, he's eight years older. Okay. And, uh, Big gap. And, you know, he treated me like crap, said, you stink, <laughs> you can't play. And so everything I had to do was to prove him wrong and did you so he got, oh yeah. yeah he got drafted in the nba i said i'm gonna be a first round pick he played for canada that's like be the best player in canada uh -huh. he had a couple scholarships i said i'm gonna have a hunter and uh and i did yeah so, <laughs> i reminded that but, uh, check 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 yeah so i so really that that kind of laid the groundwork for who i am i know uh, you know my family background and and that history kind of tells you what i'm about and where i had to go mm -hmm. Um, one of the, one of the things I get to I get to do is I get to research people like yourself. So like I said I knew you, but I didn't really know. It's reported that your mother was an Olympic level swimmer. Is that true? Yeah, it was she. You know, the Lithuanians had to escape from the Russians and their and uh, when they came in to invade the country, Soviet Union. Um, so you know, she was a she was on target to be a national team swimmer in Lithuania. Oh wow! Uh, and then unfortunately, when the when the Russians invaded, they all had to escape and run. So uh, she still. And it came back to Canada, and she was a concert pianist. I mean, she she worked. Oh wow, was talented! Oh my goodness! In Canada, uh, she taught. Uh, she taught. She got an incredible history. When she came to Canada, she worked at a prime minister's house. Uh, her father made her take English when she was a little girl in Lithuania, 
like mm. a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Who would have had the foresight? And because she had a little bit of English when she came over, she was she she was able to get a job. And her first job was at the prime minister's house in Ottawa. Wow, so, incredible background, and uh, but but an athletic background too, mm -hmm. which was a big part of you know our upbringing. Everything yeah. was uh, you know go out there, get out there and do it. So were you born in Ottawa then, or were you born in, no, Toronto? born in Toronto? Okay, and your parents met in a prison camp, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Work camp, and um, a wild story. Um, my dad lost his entire family when the Russians came. He's Latvian. Yes, so okay, right. Uh, and his whole family was wiped out, had brothers, and everybody just wiped out. And they met, uh, my mother had her mother and her grandmother, mm -hmm. and they've met my dad, and they kind of took him in, in this prisoner camp, right? And, uh, and uh, he actually had a chance to leave. He befriended a guard. And the guard came up to him one day, like handed him a uniform. If you put this on, you can walk out. Wow. And he wouldn't do it because he wouldn't leave them, which is crazy. Because he just, you know, you got, you don't know if you're going to live or die. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And he'd get out, but he wouldn't leave them. If he left, yeah. he wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's how their life started. So, uh, and they lived, you know, together for what, 65 years. So who had the biggest influence on you playing basketball, your mom or your dad? My brother. Okay. Yeah, my okay. brother. Uh, who introduced him? Huh? Who introduced him? I really don't know. Uh, because he played hockey, was really good in hockey, okay. uh, but he went to St. Mike's, um, and Dan Prendergast coached him, and Dan Prendergast was my coach. Okay. So, um, you know, he, he just got into the sport and was really good, and because of him, I used to go to St. Mike's when I was still in grade school mm -hmm. and actually practice with their teams uh, because Dan Prendergast let me come in and do it. Um, but... Uh, you know, I, I think the big thing was, yeah, my brother was my driving force, but my parents, as and my dad was a really good athlete. Okay. Uh, great tennis player. Like, he'd, he'd, he'd be in his 50s, you know, kicking ass on 25-year-old guys. Just bum, bum. <laughs> it's like I used to go watch, and he just he just look at me and wink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's kind of a cool customer, right? Right. But uh, so anything you wanted to do is you, you could do. Like, yeah. nobody ever, like I, I was telling people when I was, you know, 12 years old and playing the NBA, Nobody said, come on, like, what is, you know, uh, especially for a Canadian kid to say that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, but nobody was saying, you know, you're nuts. You can't do, why are you thinking that? So my parents were always like, you can do it, right? You, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. So uh, I think the fact that they were athletic and very supportive is huge. Yeah. Would you, would you say that your, the way your parents lived influenced the way that you went ahead and, you know, what chased your dreams? Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, you come from... You have your world taken away from you. Yeah. Family slaughtered, uh, literally slaughtered on my mother's side, too. Uh, you come to another country where you have no money. You don't speak the language, basically, like other than my mother and a little bit of English. You don't yeah. speak the language. You have no job. You have nothing. Uh, and you got to start. And you make it. And you make it. No excuses, right? Uh, so, you know, my dad, my dad, he had one of those jobs he couldn't tell us about. He worked for the Department of Defense. Oh, wow. Electronics. Okay. And taught himself. Serious. Himself. Electronics, right? So, like, he literally, anything in a high, like, car breaks down, he fixes car. You know, roof breaks he does the roof. He, like, everything, right? Real handyman. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's why I look at them. My mother, like a concert pianist, she taught uh, uh, a million kids in, in Toronto. 
Uh, so you're, you know, there was no excuses, no nothing. Like you, you just get up and do it. You don't feel good. You go to work. You don't, you know, you don't have any money, make it, you know, it's like no excuses. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, that was big for me. Um, and, and the same thing, I had a lot of medical things, things that happened in my history and you know, it's like, let's go. Man, I'll be honest. If the car breaks down, I'm calling CAA. Yeah. I, I won't, I'm not. I'm not cut from that. As much as my dad was, I literally <laughs> lay under the car with my dad when he's working. Me too. Uh, I did that too. Yeah. I'd be on a roof helping him do the roof. Didn't help. But I, he said, hello. So you obviously gravitated towards basketball, you know, me from your older brother. Um, when did you know that, that you were good and better than all the other kids? Was it your height? Was it your... I was always taller. Yeah. But, um, in grade school... It was just, I was way better than everybody. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was playing with Lithuanian teams, like older. So uh, we'd have men's teams and then older guys, like uh, younger, like uh, older teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was always playing up. Like mm -hmm. in eighth grade, I was playing with the men. Right? And see, that was a big, that was actually a big part of my growth. Of course. So growing up in Toronto, the competition was there, what's your better? At that time. Yeah. So, uh, because I was Lithuanian, I was playing a Mezlis, right? And how old were you? Eighth grade. Oh my goodness. So, you know, I was playing with- 12, 12. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and my brother, you know, like the city leagues, I mean, some of the rules of where you could play. So I go play on my brother's teams, other teams, men's leagues. Like I, on school nights, I was getting home at two o'clock in the morning because <laughs> my ride went to the bar after the game. So it's either you go to the bar after the game or you don't go to the game and you don't have a ride home. Yeah. So that was my high school. Like, I mean, I used to come home at two o'clock in the morning on a school night after sitting in a bar in uh, Mississauga somewhere because that's where the game was. And then I wake up and go to school the next day. Yeah. yeah. My, my, I, I, my parents, it's almost like they knew this was the passage, the rite of passage. This yeah. is how you had to do it. So they never, never said, what are you doing? Like, that's, a, that's what you did. And uh, yeah, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's, pre it's pretty wild looking back, but, uh, so I, I knew I was better. Yeah. Um, and even when I was playing with the men, I was better. Really? I kept getting better and, um, well, it gets to a point where, uh, I've told this story a million times. So I tried out for the Canadian national team. Yeah. They had an open tryout, uh, when I was, uh, I don't, I, I wasn't, I don't, I hadn't turned 16 yet. And, uh, no, it was a Kinteria junior team, 21 and under. Oh, okay. Because they didn't have the different groups of data. It was 21 and under. That right. was a junior team. Right. So I went, and I thought I should have made it. I played well. <laughs> and they they said, hey, you know, thanks for coming, Albert. You know, you're too young. Maybe not. I, I was so pissed. I got too young. Like, I was just pissed. So I was in the gym. all. I, I played all the time. And after that told me that, I go, okay. All right, I'll show you. Uh-huh. And then... By the later, this was probably in a, a late summer, fall. I know by the next, I turned 16. Uh, I tried out for the Canadian. It was an open tryout. We had an all star game in Buffalo, um, uh, Toronto all star game, and we played a game in Buffalo. I say that we got home about 1 30 in the morning. I actually got my first scholarship offer that night from Canisius. Okay. We kicked ass on some team from Buffalo and uh, got home really late. And my dad wakes me up like at 7 o'clock at 6.30 in the morning. He goes, uh, you're going to go to this national tryout. I go, why? So he can tell me I'm too young? I ain't going. And he goes, well, what are you going to do all day? I'm going to ball. 
Okay, who are you playing with? I'll get my guys. He goes, well, they're all there. Let's go. I go, all right. I didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. We went. And my dad would never do something like that. Never does something like that. Why'd he do it? I don't know. Just said, go. And uh, so he took, takes me there. And, you know, open kind of thing. They put guys on teams. They start playing. So I'm on, I, I, I get on. And I, right away, like, I, I had a dunk. I had a jumper, blocked a shot. Like, mm -hmm. like, um, I only played five minutes. And Coach Johnny was just, come here. Like, here we go. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Too young. Yeah. You know. And he says, uh, man, so I want to invite you to national camp. Go, huh? What? <laughs> right. It's like I, I was ready to go out. And he says, I want to invite you to national camp. And it uh, changed my whole life. The youngest ever to play on the national team, 16 years old. But it's funny you bring that story up talking about you got pissed and you got cut. Because the first time I met you was, uh, I was you, were, you were national team coach from 2005 to uh, 2011. I went to school in 2008. I went to Montreal, you cut me, and that pissed me off. So, <laughs> by the way, cutting players is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, no, of course. Well, you told me I wasn't good enough literally after like 10 minutes, which is true, I wasn't at the time, but that, that actually helped me because then after that, I wanted to play for Canada after you, after you cut me. So Dave DeVero brought me, which was, which was my coach. We met, and then, yeah, within five minutes, you were like, yeah, buddy, you're not... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I told you that on the phone the other day, which is which is my my first funny story with you. Um, and then on the phone, you said something to me which which stuck with me. You said at nine years old, which is still unfathomable to me, you said you're gonna play in the NBA, and you said you're gonna work on television. Those are the two things you said you want to do. Yeah, ninth grade. Ninth grade. Sorry. So ninth grade. Like I I I want to know how you how did you know that, and and why did you stick with it even even afterwards? The NBA part, I don't know how I knew. I just knew I was going to play in the NBA. Okay. If you, there's nothing you could have said that could say no. Nothing. I just knew I was going to play. Uh, I can't explain that one. Uh, and you got to remember, back then, you're lucky if you saw one NBA game a week. Lucky. On yeah. a fuzzy screen on TV. Um, the Buffalo Braves played some games in Toronto, which was like a, a world opening up to me. And when I saw that, I remember Bob, I wore number 11 my whole life. Bob, okay. He, he, I saw him drop 48 in the Celtics. And just, <laughs> so it was like this new world. So for some reason, I just knew that that was going to happen. And then I walked into Dan Pernigas, the coach, mm -hmm. which was also the guidance counselor. I walked in his office and I said, Coach, no math. No math. <laughs> no math. Hey, when the score is double digits, I'm going like, hey, hey. Like, I, I can't, math scares the shit out of me. You like money? Huh? You like money? That's, yeah, but that's, well, then you've gotten better at math. Yeah, but it's just numbers just scare me. <laughs> and, uh, like, we had John Saunders, who was the first broadcaster, yeah. rappers, we yeah. three ESPN games, Raptor games together. And, like, I go, hey, you know, they better get their act together, you know, cut down the score. He goes, well, how much the score getting down by? I go, well, a lot, John. This is on TV. Well, yeah, national TV. He trying <laughs> to pin me down because they knew. I had no idea. I just know I got a score, but uh, it's very honest of you. But well, <laughs> well, we said we so like it was terrible. And uh, but anyway, so I go to my guidance counselor. I said, "Look, I can't. I I, I I'm good around people." Yeah. Uh, and then I said to him, and I don't know how I, I figured this out. I go, "Look, I'm gonna play in the NBA. <laughs> I'm gonna be people gonna know who I am, and I'm gonna have like a profile. I want a job where I can connect. I want to put the two together. I can write. Uh, I can talk." I like doing that. And we came up with journalists, broadcast journalists. 
Um, and that was kind of a plan that formed in ninth grade over that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of always kept that in the back of my mind that uh, it didn't make sense to me to have some degree in something that was unrelated to what I was doing at Flem. Right. Uh, if I could put the two together, it'd be perfect. So you did end up graduating in broadcast journalism. Yeah. Okay. At Syracuse, Syracuse uh, yeah. School of Public Communication was one of the top in the country. Beautiful. Um, I mean, you look at the who's who of Dick Stockton, you know, Marv Albert, uh, Bob Costas, uh-huh. Ted Koppel, I mean, Mike Tirico. You just go down a list of broadcasters. They all went there. Grads. And not only that, but they're behind the scenes, the producers, the directors, yeah. the Syracuse guys. Really? Right? Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. So, um, and I got the best advice I ever got. Um, Which was? I had a professor, Dwight Jensen. Uh, and it was my senior year, and he says, your degree means nothing. So I'm gone. That's still true. Okay. He goes, your resume means everything. Uh, and I'm looking at it, though. I'm in college, man. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, no, right now. Uh, no, it was actually my junior year he said that, and and I go on, okay, your resume means everything. So uh, what I started to do was uh, I had a lot of injuries playing, uh, so anytime I was out with injury um, or I was off, so summer between my rookie year and my next year, I did the CBC Olympics for mm. radio. Um, I'd get hurt, I'd do Syracuse basketball games. I was in Italy, I wrote for the Corriere della Sport column. You wrote? Sorry? Okay. I wrote a column. So anytime I was at time, injured, anything, I started building this resume. Mm. So when the day finally came where I'm done, I had a resume. Interesting. Uh, I could step into a new role. Um, and it was, so it was the best advice I ever got that, uh, uh, without that, I guarantee you, I would not have done what I've done. So do you think athletes, regardless if they get injured or not, should try and continue to build a resume as, as they play, Hundred percent. but not everyone's going to be articulate and be able to broadcast. So how do you do that? Uh, Other areas? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, like anything else, the more you do, the better you get. Of course. So if you, if you, if that's something you want to do, you can work on it. Yeah. Uh, you can intern. You don't have to get paid. Like I did a ton of stuff for no money. Right. Just to do it. Just to do it. Right. Um, and that's how you got in. Yeah. yeah. That's how you got in. And I'll tell you another thing I did when, uh, there was rumor of the Toronto Raptors, uh, get, uh, the Toronto getting a three team. Yeah. So what I did was I, I was living in Toronto. I was living in Syracuse. I've been playing in Europe. Um, I wanted people to start thinking about me. For that job. For that job. So how'd you do that? What I did was uh, uh, the fan came, the fan became something on the radio. The okay. starting starting out his early years. I got on any time they were talking future NBA in Toronto, Toronto, talk NBA, call Leo. Call, I, I spent, I, I bet you I spent a thousand hours on the phone with Norm Rumat, right? He was always doing the stuff on the fan. Just doing radio hits. Night, uh, and and uh, just doing anything I could. So I wanted people in Toronto to hear me, mm-hmm. people to think about Leo as the NBA guy because nobody, people forget about you, right? Mm-hmm. So. I didn't make a nickel for any of that. I just spent time doing anything I could do. I did to plant the seed, uh, and then and then uh, when the Raptors ended up uh, or coming into 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 being, you know Isaiah Thomas. We had played against each other. Uh, Brendan Malone was my assistant coach at Syracuse, and he was the first Raptors head coach. Uh, and John Bitov, you know, we started, you know, uh, every, we started this conversation. And I also did the Olymp- uh, the World Championships, yeah, which the Bitov. Uh, group 
helped put on. Mm -hmm. And so I was the analyst for that, which was a precursor to getting the NBA team. Mm -hmm. uh, so anything I could do to kind of get in that, put my foot in that door, I did. Yeah. So, so essentially you, you had established relationships and you put in a lot of time. A lot of time. How long do you think you spent doing those calls before you got the Raptors job? Yeah, almost two years. Almost two years, so for free. I remember I said, I was, uh, okay, this is funny. I was playing for uh, Atlanta and uh, I've never played in Toronto as a pro. And here we are, we're playing, I'm playing with Atlanta. I'm trying to make the team. Yeah. And we're playing the Pistons. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm scared to death because I don't think I'm going to play. Like, I'm just trying to make this team, and I don't think I'm going to – I'm home in Toronto. We're going to play Maple Leaf Garden. I don't know if I'm going to get in the game. It's embarrassing. It's like I was, like, scared. Yeah, yeah. In my hotel room all day. Like, I'm both shit. And, uh, like, Kelly Trapuca was a big stud with, uh, with, uh, with Detroit, and we played summer league together. So I knew Kelly really well. Isaiah and I, you know, we played uh, – we were both kind of coming out of high school. He played for the United States. I played for Canada. We, 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 we kind of knew each other. And uh, – so we end up playing this game, and uh, I end up scoring like you know 16. Okay. 15. I hit two buckets down the end, helped us win the game, and uh, so I end up having this really good game in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone's a dream. The advertising was hilarious. Like here's here's this guy who's just trying to make the team, and Isaiah Thomas is a stud. Uh huh. And so Leo Routes versus Isaiah Thomas. I go, <laughs> and I might not even play, right? I know. Like, oh no, let's just, and uh, so my mom used to save all that stuff. So I had this clipping of this, uh, you know, ad, Leo Routes versus Isaiah Thomas. So back in the days of fax machines, I faxed it to Isaiah. I said, hey, fax machine. you lost once, don't lose again. You need me. Oh yeah? Yeah. What do you say? TV job. No, he got a kick out. Oh, okay. But, I, but again, it's just, I get in there, get in there, get yeah. anywhere I could. Yeah, and and you so you played in the NBA for how long? Uh, just a couple of seasons. Couple of seasons. Over to Europe. And yeah, injuries just got me. Of course, you had what like a ten-year career overseas, if I'm not mistaken. Italy, Spain, over, France. It, it was close to ten over broken up uh, injuries and this and that. But yeah, probably more, more about eight, eight years. Okay, so during your eight years, when did you start thinking about broadcasting and the end of your career? You had fourteen knee surgeries. We had 14 knee surgeries, if I'm not mistaken. 30 altogether, probably. You know, so, yeah. So I was already thinking about honestly in, in college because I, I got my knee exploded in college, my junior. Yeah, year. I remember that. And yeah. all, like you know, maybe I kind of read. Um, I almost came out my junior year. Uh, Red Arback was at the Big East tournament, and he was sitting with Jack Donahue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I made all tournament in one game in the three-game tournament, which doesn't happen. Yeah, right. The game we lost too. Oh, wow. Which doesn't happen. And Red Arbach was at that game, and uh, he told he told Jack that if I came out, he'd take me. With but the Celtics? Yeah, but there's no guarantee. This is the last. They were always a top team, so they'd be in the end of the first round. Mm -hmm. If they don't take you, you know, because like, no one's going to put in paper. But because of my knee and everything, I was really, I really thought about doing that, right? But then I go, oh, you know, I'm going to roll the dice, and, uh, and that summer... We had a big summer with Canada that I, I kind of, we beat the crap out of the United States in the United States, and uh, I kind of elevated to a solid first-round pick. But um, I, So I was worried about the end at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, too. I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah me, too. Uh, and, 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 and in hindsight, 
Okay, I've had three major, major back surgeries, but I had one when I was 11. Yeah. They told my parents, I might never walk again. I'll never play sports again. So if you think about that, I guarantee you that all my knee injuries and other injuries came from that. The way you run, the yeah. way you walk. All by your back. Right. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't have had everything else I had if it wasn't from my back. So I, I feel... Um, I didn't quite understand all that when I was a kid, yeah. right, obviously. But when I had uh, my last two surgeries and I walk in a doctor's office, he goes, how'd you play? <laughs> like, how are you walking into my office? Oh, it, started to, it started to hit me that um, okay. I, I'm blessed I was to even have a career. It's almost like I beat the system somehow. I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Um, but that's why, like, at the back of my mind, I always uh, kept thinking, you know, okay, I got I to gotta have a plan. Yeah. And eight, eight years is still a long time after all of that. I thought my three were tough. You got damn near 30. That's insane. So, I know. I, I was, uh, yeah. And believe me, it was, it was painful. Of course. Hey, hey I'm course. playing in France. And I had guys knocking on my door in training camp because they knew I had a bag this big. Nice. of Any kind of thing you needed, this, any inflammatories, painkillers, like, I, I went to doctors. I got a year's supply of stuff before I went anywhere because that's how I was bad. Like, yeah. It was, yeah. you know, but I couldn't play without it, right? I understand. But I love playing. I didn't want to give it up. Right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't taking a, taking pills to make me jump fire. I was taking pills just to play because I love playing. And do you think, uh, two questions. Do you think athletes who maybe should stop don't because they love to play and, and they don't want to give it up? I should have stopped. Yeah. I should have stopped. But... You know, I also had a young family. Okay. Making money. Uh, and, but I just love playing, right? Um, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of retired um, kind of a forcer time. I got hurt and my my first wife didn't want to go anywhere, didn't want to travel. So yeah. I kind of retired. And, and I'm working for about a year and a half. I was in the financial services and they go, hey, I could do this when I'm dead. <laughs> you know, I want to play again. And then it's like, you could have practiced 10 times a day. When I came back, I'm good. I just love playing so much yeah. and I missed it so much. Um, so I probably should have stopped, but I kept going. Um, and, and uh, but I guess I don't regret it. I mean, no, I, I, I hurt for it. Well, you don't regret it. Understood. Yeah. Um, I think your mentality is a little bit different than most because they say that you need to have a like straight linear focus in order to make it you you were already thinking well shit i'm on my way out but i'm still gonna continue to do this do, do you think that's a mentality that maybe other people should start to adapt or or adopt or you know um if they haven't already i don't care what you do you're just hedging your bets right it's a good way of looking at it you drive a car you know do you know you make sure the car is taken care of you make sure you got you got to you know, CAA, AAA, whatever you got, just in case something breaks down, you know, uh, you know, you got a little emergency kit in the car, just in case you got to plan for some things, right? You never know what can happen. So, um, I think that the fact that I had so many things happen to me, uh, I just, it would be stupid for me not to have a plan, mm. not to have, uh, an idea that this could stop tomorrow. Uh, and to be ready for it, not only physically, but mentally, right? Mentally, you got to be ready for something like that. Um, and uh, 
you know, because uh, I've had some, some, some things that came at the worst times. Uh, I had my biggest contract ever uh, offered to me from a team in Israel. And uh, I, I was with Canada at a gateway. They were playing UNC Charlotte in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, just some friendly games. And they called me to come play. And uh, my, my, my wife at the time was due any day, like within a week. And um, so I said, what the hell? I'll drive down to Toronto, I'll play a couple games. Where were you living? Syracuse. Okay. So I go up there and there's 30 seconds to go in the game. It's hot, sweaty, and floor's got... I make a pass and I, and I step into the pass and my, my, my foot goes like that. It slips to the floor. I was, uh, the bench was probably 15 feet away. You could hear, you could hear my knee. Everybody on the bench is like that. And I'm going like, oh, I felt something. Oh, no. But I, what happens is views completely severed, it's dead. You see people laying on the floor dying because it's not totally torn, but it just snapped completely. ACL. ACL. And I'm going like, ah. And every like coach took me out, yes, I'm good. No, no. Either reclension. Yeah. Ah. And uh, I went to see a doctor the next morning. Went out drinking that night with a boy's <laughs> I was fine. I went out to the doctor the next morning and goes, uh, yeah, you might have torn your medial collateral. You might have done this or that. I go, something felt weird. So I drive back to Syracuse and uh, go see a doctor. ACL, MCL, cartilage gone. Boom. So right before this biggest contract of my life, right? Huh. So, uh, so I've had things happen like mm -hmm. that that, you know, uh, can be devastating. Are devastating. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember. I, I remember. I got the news and and uh, uh, had some cocktails. Felt sorry for myself. Said, "Okay, let's do surgery. Come back again." And uh, this this the way my mind always worked, right? Yeah. Just I'm okay. related to that. Uh, related to that. And same thing when uh, I was playing in France and I got my last. Uh, this is it. This was you know I was done. Because we played in the 92 pre-Olympics in Portland when the dream team came mm -hmm. and all that. I couldn't tell anybody because I signed, again, this was my best deal. I signed to France. And uh, I couldn't tell anybody. I tore my knee before the, the tournament started. You tore what part of your knee? I tore my cartilage really bad. Meniscus. Yeah. And, and you played? Yeah, I played the tournament. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't tell anybody I was hurt. I couldn't tell anybody I tore my knee. Um, and then it's literally the day which was a bad chart we should have, anyway. Uh, it pissed me off, that whole tournament. But I, I, in surgery, literally the day after the tournament ended, and I told the guy, you can't shave my knee. Don't shave my knee, don't take the hair off. I, it's, you do your arthroscopies, you clean it up, because uh, I got to show up to a team in, two, in less than two weeks for training camp. Did you? I did, in France, and uh, so. Two weeks after meniscus surgery, you went to go hoop again. Here's the best part. So like I, my legs are tan, the hair wasn't shaved. I healed quick. Okay. And clearly, so you yeah. Couldn't tell that <laughs> you couldn't tell I had surgery. But uh, uh, so I've been screwed out a lot of money, like a lot of guys have played in Europe. Uh, so uh, first practice, I get there. Uh, Leon Wood is an NBA referee right now. Uh, I'm guarding him, and I slip. Not not bad. Not nothing bad. Oh okay. But as soon as I slipped, I, oh, oh, I grabbed my knees. Oh, I did something. I don't know what I did. I did something. <laughs> oh. And uh, I wanted to see the doc after practices. I did something. So that was in my pocket. I got hurt there. 
which I did, but I got her. Oh man! <laughs> and so that's a good one. That's a good one, Sadie, because I and, and I did my own contract this time. So I got by the second month of the season, I had seventy percent of my money. <laughs> And they go, why? Why are we doing a contract like this? I said, because it's been screwed and I'm not getting screwed anymore. So I had 70% of my money. So now, two months in the season, I can't play. My, I'm, I'm toast, right? So I have surgery. And, uh, you know, they're talking in French, but nice and slow, so I can understand a whole bit. As the surgery is going, it's like, they're going fast. And they basically said, you're done. You can't play anymore. You can't do anything. So... Same day, I, I, you know, I felt sorry for myself, got to the <laughs> wine, felt bad, got up next morning, made phone calls, I had a job on TV a week later. Next, but Man. What? What a way to go. Okay. What a way to go. The funny part was, they go, we have to talk about the money. So we need to take the, like, 15% back. No. Right? And I'm, are you shit me? I got hurt here. You saw me. I went right there. I went to your doctor. I got hurt here the day I got here. Like, so I'm fighting like everything, right? And uh, so they paid me 70%. They gave me 85%. And I made it, okay, we settled on that 15% they could take back because they needed to get another player. Yeah, yeah. I acted like I was so pissed off. I walked out of there, but I walked at 85% of the contract. <laughs> Two months. <laughs> That's good. That's good. What a way to go. I didn't go like that. I, France was a shit, uh, shit time for me. I should never have gone. I understand, but... Man, the, and most most people don't walk away from those situations in the plus, and you're too far removed. So whoever watches this now, they can't they can't say anything. <laughs> but you, <laughs> off camera, off camera, off camera. You said something a little bit earlier about um, you retired basically. You got in the financial industry. So w would you say the reason why you went back is because your identity was so caught up in basketball? I think that's a that's a big thing for even myself or other athletes is that. You like you identify and you've done it so long, you've done it all your life that this is something that you now is like, well, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I want to go back and hoop, man. I'm a hooper. That's a big thing for athletes. I think that's the hardest thing to for people to get over, athletes to get over that identity. What's yours? Uh, that wasn't it for me. I just, I just missed it. Okay. And and I realized that I could sit at a desk and make phone calls when I'm 85 years old, but I can't run up and down the floor and yeah. the basketball. So I just missed playing. Um, and I was like, they gave, I was making money. I was working. Yeah. But I just go, I, I, I can do this later. Right. And uh, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to play again. Uh, and I got healthy during that time. I was, I was, I was uh, working. So, um, but the, the identity, but I do remember though, like as soon as I said, I stopped playing. Cause again, it wasn't really my choice. My ex and I was hurt. Um, I did have that moment where you go like, hey, when am I going to do it? Yeah. Uh, because I, I wasn't, um, it was a little late for the TV stuff and this and that. So I was just like, so you have that moment where you're, you, you struggle with that a little bit. And then these guys offered me an opportunity and I took it. I took it as much for the education of the financial industry, as much as the job. Mm -hmm. As they train you to do the whole bit. So I figure out what I got to lose. Right. Um, I, I get an education out of it. So. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I don't think the identity thing was a, was a big thing for me. It was more, I just missed it. I love play. Would you say that other people who played at your level at that time 
they had the same sort of story. It wasn't a big deal for them. They were, they were able to go from one thing to the other and didn't struggle with identity. Have you seen people struggle with that? I've seen a lot of guys struggle, and I think uh, I see it every day. Yeah, I got former players that I coach struggle. I got guys I played with the struggle. Um, uh, and and it, it's it's a big thing. It's like you know, uh, you're identified that people relate to you like that. People talk to you. Uh, That's how I know you. Yeah, it's your own your own confidence is built on right. that. So why isn't it talked about as much? I don't. It should be, and it should be talked about early on in mm-hmm. players. Um, I think it's really important to players. You have a, have a plan. Hey, you can have the greatest career in the world, but have a plan because, okay, you can make you can make an ungodly amount of money and you can play for ten years, do whatever, but you still got to live for another fifty, sixty, <laughs> seventy. Who knows, right? So what what are you gonna do? And find purpose in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is which is the hard part. Like, how do you find purpose in no matter how much money you make? I don't think it matters. How do you how do you wake up every day and feel like I have value and I'm I'm actually contributing to something? Yeah, or even taking that money and doing doing things whether to either build your wealth or maintain your wealth or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, purpose. You got to find purpose, right? Otherwise, you see a lot of players get lost, right? Even play and players. How many players that you know we read about that had a ton of money just pissed through it all? Yeah, because they they either don't have the background, the education, the the foresight to understand that you know you got 25 cars, those payments keep going. You got 20 houses, those payments keep going. There's like nothing stops. Right. You know you have you know you have you know 10 kids, those payments don't stop. Yeah. So there's a lot of things happen in your life that you got to keep going. Well, I think your your situation, you know, I mean, to play in the NBA, like you're one of. 4,374 4, people to touch an NBA floor. You're in very rare air. But for the majority of people, like just just think about that number. The majority of people are like myself. I never touched an NBA floor. And I still identify with basketball so much. So how do you, for the majority of people, what besides having a plan, what are some things that, that they can do to, to ease that process? Because most people aren't even going to see a million dollars playing basketball. Yeah, I, I think... Try. I think it's important to find something that you love to do. You know, it's it's uh, you know, and the only way you do it is to try different things, right? Yeah. Um, you got to find things that you know excite you a little bit. You know, because w- what is playing ball? You get kind of a, an adrenaline flow right? that excites you. There's nothing like it. Yeah. So you got to find some other things that excite you. So it's one thing if you just go and find a job where you just like monotonous. You just that's not going to work for you. I don't think. I think you got to try to find things that, you know, uh, bring some of that out that yeah. you're used to having. Um, but the majority are forced to do that. They're yeah. forced to go. Like if I didn't broadcast, that that'd be the that'd be the situation I'm in. If you didn't broadcast, who knows, right? You know, we might be in those situations. So, yeah. but you know, but so you, you just gotta. And like I say, you talk about broadcasting. That's the first thing a lot of players say when they broadcast. Yeah. How many jobs are there? Shit. You know, it's, uh, you know, especially say in Canada, how many jobs are there? Don't come for mine. Right. Please. Yeah, yeah I, I keep saying that too. Yeah. But they are. <laughs> Older you get, unless you know, it's time. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, so you gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, it's important, you know, t- and I think the one thing athletes gotta realize is you have access. I know. I know. Which means like, so, you know, while you're playing, while you're, and, yeah. and even after people still know who you are, just go, go to, uh, you meet people. You go, go to a real estate guy, see what he does. See, go to this guy, go to a TV guy. 
see what they do, how they do it. Does this excite you? Do you like it? How much can you make? Is it something? Take advantage of that. A lot of athletes don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like I think back, I regret, I, if, okay, what is one thing we have as athletes? You're asking me? Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Uh, we all have it when we're playing. Time. Time. That means you can, that's a great answer. A lot of athletes don't come up with that. Time. You do. And, and I regret that I didn't like go to law school. Not that I want to be a lawyer, to have that degree. On your resume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to have that background. Uh, that's something I, I, I regret not doing because you have time. When you practice twice a day, though, and you're tired as hell, do you really have time, though? Like, I had time. I definitely did. Weekend, one day off. Yeah. We practice. You, you play. Know, most of your summers. Okay, yes, yes, yes. You you a lot of online stuff you could do. That you got time. You yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Like I said, when I came back after being that semi-retired, we could have practiced five times a day. I didn't, I didn't even need a nap. I was so excited about playing again. Oh, shit. Then you have time. Not well, me, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so excited about playing again. So I don't know. I think I think that you know I used to, I tell my boys. I tell uh, you know one of my boys playing the NBA, Andy. I got another son that's playing in college now. Mm -hmm. And I tell him I used to tell him all the time. You got time when you're sitting in a your apartment in, in Turkey. Yeah, I know. I said you could be doing online stuff. You could you know like you know like uh, take advantage of that time. You have to want to do that though. You do, <laughs> and you, that's where you kind of got to see the discipline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. it's hard. It is hard. To have that type of focus and discipline to do that. Because I, I had time to, what did I do? Sleep, go out, have fun, ball out, enjoy my time overseas because I thought I made it. Right. You know, So I didn't really do that. But I understand what you mean. Do, do you think that um, when you did stop playing, this is one thing that I struggled with, was just the loss of structure. I had been doing the same thing every day. You practice twice a day, 10 and 6. Games on Saturday, that means I play four times a month. I'm evaluated four times a month. And then I come back home and I had to get a job. After my last knee surgery, I, I lost a lot of money. So, you know, now I have to have a job. So I had to, I didn't have time to really grieve. And the loss of structure took me about a year to get over that. Is, is that something that affected you? I, I did a, a conference with uh, uh, a pain conference uh, with injuries and things like that. Uh, but athletes in military. Okay. Structure. Yeah. You're both coming from structure. Yeah. You know what your day is going to be like. You know what you have to do. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, this military guy, exactly the same thing. All of a sudden, you walk into this no structure environment, and now you've got like I used to hate when a season ended. I hated it because I'm going. I'll, if I want a ball today, I gotta go find a run. Yeah. I gotta find guys to play with. I gotta get a gym. I hated that. I I knew that I, every day I got practice. Yeah. I had a workout. I got this. And, and it drove me nuts. Like, I used to look at student, regular students. I go, how do you bitch about not having time? I got practice, and I can get all my stuff done. And when the season ended, I'm going, like, you've got nothing but time. Yeah, group nothing chat's not time. not buzzing no yeah. more. No one's talking anymore. Everyone goes their separate ways. Yeah, yeah so, like, uh, it, I think that's a big, big hurdle Yeah. Uh, for athletes. you got to, uh, so I, uh, for example, I'll talk to my son, Andy. I said, you've got to create your own structure. you got to say, okay, I'm going to get up at, don't sleep till, you know, lab. I'm going to get up at six. Yeah. I'll get my work out it. Get it in. Is get that it. what you did? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you get it in because you, one, you get to feel better by yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's healthy. Uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to gain weight after you're done playing and you feel like crap. So, you know, get your work out it. That way your day starts on a, on a kind of familiar and a good note. 
and then you start, you know, getting into whatever you need, you know, want to get into, try to get into, go meetings, do something. But give yourself structure. Yeah. Because um, without that structure, you get lost quick. Because it's easy to just fall into this, I don't know, malaise or whatever, just where every day just kind of blends into another mm -hmm. day. Uh, and then it becomes really hard to get out of that. Big time. Yeah. Um, what would you say when you stopped? What was your biggest loss when you stopped playing basketball? And what did you, what did you gain in that process? Uh, biggest loss? I... I think uh, the camaraderie. Mm. It's not playing the game. No, it's the stories. It's hanging out with the fellas. Like it's being on the bus, playing, you know, dinners, you know, hanging out. Uh, you miss that more than anything else. I mean, once it hurts enough, you don't care about playing the whatever. <laughs> fun. You miss that. Yeah. That's that's gone. Uh, so you got to find like so you got to you got substitute right. Man. You gotta, um, you got so, but you do find it outside of that. Um, on the positives, now you got you got your time to create. Uh, you do have that time that you didn't have, so now you can use that time to create. You know your way of living, your what you want to do, right? And how you want to live your life, or how you want to spend time with your kids if you got family, or um, uh, so. You know, from one one you lose one thing, you gain another. And you gotta you gotta look at it that way. Yeah, right. I think the big thing is always look at it as a positive thing. I mean, that way, you know, it can be hard to do though. It is hard to do, but hey, I always say, no matter how bad my day is, somebody's having one a hell of a lot worse. So, so touche. You know, you gotta you gotta you gotta think that way, right? Yeah. Um, well, um, if you, otherwise, if you don't, I mean, what's your alternative? I think a lot of people just get bogged down into their problems. Uh, instead of thinking you got problems, I'll tell you what I do every single morning. Please. I got dogs. I walk I, I, downtown. I walk on a boardwalk and water. Every single morning when I walk, as I'm looking out over the water, sun's coming up, I'm thinking of everything I have to be thankful for. Every morning. Every morning. Everything I have to be thankful for. So now, no matter what happens, right, I'm already started on this positive wavelength, right? And you, you just build off of that, mm -hmm. right? So, hey, we're all going to have setbacks. We're all going to have bad things happen to us. We're all going to have, you know, loss, you know, people important to everything. But you wake up, I, I'm a firm believer, the more grateful you are for what you do have, the more you see it, mm -hmm. the more good things come your way. But when you're always thinking, oh, man, oh, 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 it brings bad. It brings more of that. So, you know, I, I do that every single day, you know? Well, would you say that that's a good practice for a retiring athlete is to think about what they have to be thankful for, even though at that time it's going to be very difficult because when I was in that situation, I can tell you I wasn't doing that. Yeah, but you think about what do you got? I got, I got, uh, I got connections. I got family. I got, I got, uh, I got a strong body and yeah. a strong mind. I got discipline. I got that. You think of all the things you have, right? And you start you start thinking that one. Say, how can I use it? Now, it's just, so it's like again, we go back to the the structure, the discipline. What you do have as an athlete is discipline. Yes, right. Yeah. You know, and and you know what? And you can you you can be coached. That means somebody could tell you you're doing a shit job. Yeah. And you're not gonna go cry. You're gonna yeah, do better. That's right. Because that's in our business. People tell you you're playing lousy. Do better. That's right. And a lot of people can't go to a job and be 
and be coached or taught because they take it, they're too sensitive. Are they right? Well, we're especially to today. We're, yeah, especially yeah. today, but we're used to that. Mm -hmm. So you take those things and you use them to make you better, yeah. right? Uh, you just know if, if you're if your jumper ain't falling, you get in the gym and you're sure you jumper a thousand times a day. Yeah. So, you know, if you're working in broadcasting and you know, okay, I got I to gotta do this. Well, you're not afraid of work. You're not afraid of finding out what you got to do. You're not afraid of... No, I'll just call you and you'll tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> and if you listen to me, you're screwed. No, but you don't say yeah. So it's a, but but okay. But just the fact you say I'll call you. Yeah. Do you know many people don't make that call because they don't want to hear it? Yeah. No, I want to know. Yeah. But athletes, we want to know. Like, yeah. Okay, how can I, how can I get better? What can I do? Uh, and we're not afraid to do it. So those are positives you got to take from one career mm -hmm. and translate them to another. Because um, I'll tell you, like I I've worked with. A lot of different people, you know, great, great broadcasters. Man, the first thing I do when I sit down next to Mike Breen, you know, Mike Tarico, John Saunders, I sit down, Dan Schoen, I go, Rod Black, well, if I, you tell me, if I talk too much, tell me to shut up. You don't like what I'm saying? Say something. Yeah. You think I'm doing it? Tell me. Yeah. I have no problem with that. It's your show. You tell me. Uh -huh. And, and two things happen. One, I disarm the person I'm working with. Right. Right, I, I I let them know that, you know, we're good. Second thing is, I want to know. Like I'm I'm letting you know that I'm not afraid of you telling me, hey, you sound like an idiot. Said talking too much. Tell me. Yeah. Tell me. Because most people won't say that. They don't. Yeah. But see, when you have that, when you when you open that up right away, I think that it it sends a message from your side, and it also I think makes them it you know, disarms them, makes them more comfortable. Uh, and you can give feedback that way. Yeah. Um, so, and, and again, I think that comes from being an athlete, right? Uh, how many times I've gone to a coach, man, if you see something, tell me, man. It's like, you know, uh, even teammates going, hey, dude, you know, I, I'm having trouble. What do you see? You, know, you talk to guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Guys you trust and you build trust. Do you, do you think that um, when you stop playing, do you think anything as a, as a young athlete, whether it's now or back in your day, you know, you've been broadcasting for over 30 years. Do you think anything you've done in that time has been more significant than when you played? Because you probably still, like, my first couple of years retiring, people was like, yo, you still play ball? You know, your knees, how's your knees? How's your this? So it's like, you're still, like, you're still remembered for your playing days. So do you think anything you've done since then has been as significant as when you were the 16-year-old prodigy? Everything. Uh, being a father. <laughs> uh, Big one. And my, my kids having success. Yeah. Uh, hey, any success my kids have is way more enjoyable than any success I've had. Mm -hmm. Way more enjoyable. Like my son playing the NBA, my son getting a scholarship, my son, the, that to me is, is way more exciting than anything I've done. Uh -huh. um, uh, you know, to, uh, to be, have another career, whether TV work, you know, you're, you know, you're recognized for what you do or your accomplishment that, People think you're good at what you do, this and that. So, like, I, don't, I honestly, I don't even think about, uh, and it's just funny now, like, the World Cup, uh, people think the game was just invented. Yeah. Because we got all these NBA players now in Canada. But during the whole World Cup, I'm, I'm getting all this stuff on Twitter, and people say, hey, I didn't know you were <laughs> scoring. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. <laughs> Until Dylan Brooks broke your record, yeah. either. <laughs> I didn't either, but it's it, but it's it's taking the success of today for people to recognize what we actually did back then. Right, we were top six in the world all the time. There you go. We you know, but we had eight 
seven or eight draft picks in 1982. We beat the United States by 25. People don't know that, right? But now because of this stuff, people are talking about it. But to me, it's like, I don't care. It's like, it's kind of funny to me, mm. but I'm not living in that life, mm. right? Uh, like I said, when we play, like I'm sure guys today know where they stand on the record books. When we play, I, I had no idea I was leading scorer. I had no idea how many points I had in the tournament. I, had, I didn't care. Are we going to win? We're going to lose. That's it. We're going to get a medal. We're going to not get a medal. That's all we cared about. So like I, I have like all these people are telling me all these stats. I got this guy texting me like every every day. Hey, did you know that? No, I didn't. Well, you know why? Because people do care. So what what advice would you give to those that are maybe still stuck? Because I that's gonna be me one day. I'm gonna be thinking about you know all my record books and all that stuff. Like, what do you what do you say to the you know you know to the young player that isn't able to maybe not you know like live in that life because that's all they've done. Hey, that was fun. It was fun. It's too simple. And, but, but now you've got to find the other fun. That's the key, right? You've got to replace it with something, right? Okay. So I get just as much fun going to do a game, going into the studio, uh, putting on my suit, going to work. I get just as much fun doing that as I did playing. Uh-huh. I really do. Uh, you know, um, I, you know I say I do uh, I speak at a dinner or something. I get just as much fun doing that, uh, having people walk out and say, hey, that was great. That was a great talk. I, I, that was, I, I really enjoyed it. So you find all those things, right? Um, you got to find substitutes. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. Uh, being a great dad, try to be the best dad you can. Yeah. Uh, you got to find things that, um, because like I said, I mean, like just from my standpoint, you can, I can look back, but I don't even know half the stuff that I did. <laughs> it's like, who cares? Yeah. It's not gonna, it doesn't it change anything. And, and oh yeah, it's kind of cool that people talk about it now, but does that change my life in any way? No. No. You know, and 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 you could say people do care about, but they really don't. The only reason people are talking about it because all of a sudden we have a good team and they're, they're just bringing these numbers up now. But pe- for 25 years, nobody gave a shit, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, in, in some ways it's kind of funny because when I, when I play for Canada, I don't ever remember very few times playing in Canada, uh, very few times. And uh, so we just kind of had this obscure existence. So maybe in some ways that was good because nobody cared what we did. Yeah. We just did it because we loved it. Yeah. Uh, you know, where all these guys now playing, it's such a big deal they're playing. It again becomes, you know, their life. Magnitude, yeah. that's right. Well, social media does that, yeah. you know. It's, it, it weighs a lot on your mind. And we'll talk about a, uh, a former Syracuse player, Dion Waiters. I read, um, I read the Players' Tribune, and he talked about when he stopped playing how, like, depressed he was, you know. He'd be in bed, you know, four or five days a week and not moving and because he didn't know what else to do. So... What do you say to someone like that who may be living in that, you know, in, in that time and era? And like, yeah, you have to find substitutes, but do you think it's that it's that easy? And how, like, I'm not saying it's easy, but you got to, it goes back to giving yourself structure. Yeah. Okay. So you were an athlete. If you're laying in bed four or five days a week, your body's not used to doing nothing. Give your body some stimulation, work out, get up. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That you, you, your body's too important to you as an athlete. So you've got to. It's all we have. Can't neglect it. Yeah. 
So even post, and you, and there is there is uh, an adrenaline flow. There is a uh, something that kicks in when we go into a gym, whether it's to work out or a ball. There's something that kicks in because that's what we know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, and get a trainer if you need it. Whatever, just do that. That's yeah. a starting point. Uh, you know, get yourself. As I, I never forget, Walter Davis was a great NBA player, and he came to speak at one of my basketball camps one time. And he go and I go, man, you look good. He goes, just because I can't play doesn't mean I can't look like I can. <laughs> I've never forgotten that, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Right? And so, uh, but it's part of who we are, right? Yeah. So look like a player. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, but you see a lot of guys that don't, man, dude, what are you even doing? Yeah, I know. Packs <laughs> of Oreos every day. I'm like, dude, this. So you know, that's part of something that gives you structure to feel good. Right. You still work out? Yeah, every night. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, i got to modify what I do because of my bagger, but I work out every single day. Okay. I'm at my rookie year playing weight. No way. I can't say that. <laughs> so, like I said, if I want to put on a suit, I want to look good in a suit. 100%. I want to look like I could play. Even right. I can't. I anyway, look like yeah, and I feel you. Me too. And, uh, so, uh, and that's good for your ego. Right, it's good. That's hey, we all have egos. You don't get, you don't become a good player without an ego. Hundred percent. That's gonna feed your ego a little bit. Right. So, but it's then, it's it's also hard to calm the ego down when you're used to excelling so much, and then you got to stop. Yeah. But like I said, different different ways of doing it, right? So, and then like I said, I tell Dion, I said, okay, start start calling people. What do you want to figure out? What do you want to do? call teams you played for? Uh, mm-hmm. if you want to coach? Is there an opening in some capacity? Mm-hmm. Something. Uh, whether it's from working with players, coaching, marketing, scouting. So many avenues. Yeah. So many avenues. Call everybody you know and start feeling that out. Yeah. So you, you say, so from, you know, say from six to eight, I'm going to work out. I have breakfast, whatever else. From 10 to 12, I'm going to make phone calls. Start putting structure, right? And explore. Because what happens is if you don't ask, you don't know, right? How do you know that if you don't, if you don't make some phone calls to here, here, and here, a door will open. Mm-hmm. Call one of you know. You look at, go down the list of all the guys you play. Where are they? What do they do? Hey, let me call so and so. Hey, what's up? Uh, you hear about anything? Like you know, let's go. Hey, oh, we got this new group to put together. You don't know, right? So, dedicate two hours of your day to making phone calls, talking to people, and I think by feeling good about your body, getting some structure looking into some different things you know what's your degree in like what what did you study uh-huh. you know a lot of times going back you know going back to where you play college like especially in the states there's so many alumni there's so many other things mm-hmm. uh dion's at syracuse right alumni stronger mm-hmm. are there opportunities there um just to explore them, right mm-hmm. but any anytime you you dig deep a little bit and give yourself that structure i think that uh you're gonna find some satisfaction in that and mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'll see some results in most cases if you're dedicated to doing it. But put that same dedication. You know you got to go, you know, shoot 200 jumpers, 1,000 uh, jumpers. Say, well, you need to get on the phone, make two hours of phone calls. And then go do that. Yeah, it's the same. It's that same mentality where, like, did you, you didn't even think about going to the gym and doing it. No, never. So don't even think about it. this is what you got to do. And, and, and I, so like I told myself, for example, write it down. Write down your daily schedule, what you're going to do. You know, Jack Donner, you had a great line. So, you know, a dream is just a dream until you write it down. Then it becomes a goal. 
right? You can think and imagine all the things you want to do, uh-huh. and they can just fly away. You write it down. You got to look at it. You got to do check it. it. Did I do this today? Mm-hmm. Right? Did I do this? This is what I got to do. Okay, this is tomorrow. Write it down. Give yourself a schedule, because uh, that's what we're used to. Right. Um, and, and and I think uh, I think those are great starting points. Um, you know uh, that I think athletes. And all it is is taking what you already know and what you've been taught and how you've thrived and succeeded and you're translating that to something else. Scary, but that's the way to do it. Yeah. Wasn't it scary the first time you walk in to a college practice, first time you try out for a team, first time you, like it's scary. Big time, big time, Uh, big time. I remember walking on the floor, you know, Philadelphia, you got Dr. J, Bobby Jones, Moses Malone, you know. You walk on the floor and go, shit. <laughs> well, we got to act like like we're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you act like you're ready to kick ass. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, those are things that, you know, we, we're, we've done. Yeah. And now you got to do it in a different a different, different area, different platform. Uh, but the, the, I think the most important thing is it's in you. It's in you because you wouldn't have had success at what you did. So you just got to bring it up, right? And you're a father of four, and one of your boys, you know, he followed in your footsteps, went to Syracuse, you know, I mean, got drafted by the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, uh, played overseas, and I have to be honest, he did He did give me some buckets over there in Germany. I have to, I got to say, you, you taught him well, played him my first year. He's going through that process now, as you told me on the phone off camera. Um how are you helping him and guiding him through that? Are you giving him structure? Are you telling him to listen, like, you know, don't identify with basketball anymore and try and find something different? Well, he's funny, too, because, uh, like, for example, he says, yeah, you look back, well, I could have you know, done this. this I go, you know what? First thing you got to do is acknowledge what you did. I say, hey, you were a kid that you only had three schools recruiting, right? And you go to Syracuse. Right? You, by the time you're done, Bobby Knight says you're the best two guard in the country and you, your team gets to number one. Uh-huh. And you would have won an NCAA championship if your center hadn't gotten hurt. And, and, and um, uh, you know, you, you get drafted in the NBA. The percentage of people, like you said earlier, you know, it, it's infinitesimal who gets drafted. Oh, my goodness. You have a great career in Europe. Uh-huh. I said, instead of saying, oh, hey, you got to go, look what I did. Yeah. And a lot of players don't do that. No, they it's hard. back with regret at some time. I go, look what you did. How many players, number one, play at a level like Syracuse? How many players take a team number one in the country and become one of the key guys on that team? How many players do get drafted? How many, like, you you know, you played for Canada. You play, think of all those things. And th- those are great days. 100%. And then the same thing, I tell them, the structure. Structure. you got to... You got to start looking at like uh, I told him. So go. I got uh, really good friends in the business world, and they're friends of his. Right? He's met them over. Here. I said, go have lunch. Go buy him lunch. Go take him out to breakfast. Talk. See what is that something that excites you. See if that's good. Same thing. I said, get in this the thing of where he does. Uh, he does Muay Thai, right? Oh yeah. Martial arts. Nice. Said, that's a great discipline, and uh, you know that gives you that. He's replaced basketball. With something that gives him that same adrenaline flow. He loves it. I can, uh, you know, <laughs> I said, just don't dare fight. <laughs> uh, been concussed too many times. But, um, 
you know, uh, so you start substituting things and start looking in. So he's he's in the process of doing that. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, I think the biggest thing is once you start putting more structure in, you can see a difference. Like he feels a big difference with more structure. Because right. we kind of screwed him up a little bit. He said, I'm done playing. And then you take a little bit of time to just kind of feel out. And then he went back. Because mm -hmm. the coach called him out and dragged him out of retirement. And uh, and, and even that, like, uh, I think how you approach things. Uh, like Andy was always one of those guys that, I'm going to work. I got to, this is, you know, I got to practice for this. I said, he goes, I'm not in shape. I don't want to do. I said, you know what? Go have fun. What if I can't make a shot? I said, then have fun. Listen, a thousand shots. <laughs> I involved. Who cares? They're going to pay you money to go to Greece in a vacation place. Who cares? Who cares? Just have fun. So he gets their their eleventh place. They're they're in fourth, and they decide to keep them for the rest of the for the playoffs. They weren't. He was only supposed to be there two months, right? But he, you know, why things went great? Because he just had fun. He didn't care. Didn't care. And I said, you know, if you would have approached half of your other career in Europe with that same mentality, you would have joined them more. Yeah. You'd enjoy them more. And I think pl players miss out on that. They yeah. enjoy it as much as they should. But anyway, so he's, you know, he's kind of going through that process right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, just feeling his way through it. But all these things that we're talking about are helping, right? Substitutes, yeah. discipline, structure. Uh, you got you to gotta put them in your life. You have to. Yeah, or else you're you're gonna die. It's gonna be very difficult. You're gonna use up all your money, all your uh, everything you work for is gonna just disappear. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and like I said, just like you know, I watch him, like suddenly he comes back from from Muay Thai, and it's like he looks like he just played a game. It's like oh yeah, it's like so you you got that you got that. Uh, like he comes. I got a I got a great gym in my condo, so he shows he comes to my gym every morning at six a.m. And by by the time I get up, he's he's sitting in my living room having a coffee after or having a protein drink. He already's got his workout in, right? Mm -hmm. So he's he's bringing that structure in, right? Uh, and he's uh, uh, he's always been very interested in real estate. He's actually had success on his own in real estate, so he's getting his license too. Nice. I said, look, even if it's something you decide is not what you want to do, you have a license. At least it's trying, try well, something different. It cost you five hundred bucks to get a license. You got to study. More than that, you know, I did you study, uh, but you got a license, yeah, right? I said, you know what? I'm gonna do a week. What if it's not gonna hurt me to get a license? Why not? We'll do it together, you know. So I don't even need to do it, but I'm going, let's do it. Why not? Yeah, because how's it gonna hurt me having a license? And then I decided, you know what? I'm gonna do the same thing in Florida. I'm gonna get a license in Florida. I live in Florida when yeah. I'm in Toronto. Yeah, I'm gonna get a license there too. Why not? I know you got to rub that in. Are you just gonna avoid the winter? <laughs> I hate cold. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Body doesn't like cold. I know. But, but the point is, like, so even now, even though for me, I don't need it, but why not? Yeah. Why not? What if I? What if? What if I get a license? I go. You know, this is great. This I love this. Well, I'll find out. Same thing with you. I told him. I said, you'll find out too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What well, if you yeah. sell that first house for five million? You get the commission or shit, this ain't bad. Yeah. You know, let me sell 10 more, right? So uh, I, I think the whole thing is you've got nothing to lose by sticking your nose in and trying things. Yeah. And that's what we did as athletes. We were curious, which is the thing what you're saying is the, the, the thing to be is to be, is to be curious, to try something. Yeah. And, and, and not be afraid to do it. That's, I think, 
fear is a big thing, right? Um, but you can't be afraid to try things. You know, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? Don't work. Yeah. So what? I know. It's like, I know. you can't, you can't. Uh, it's so simple, but we, even, even doing this, uh, be, doing this was like, this is so simple. Do it. It sucks or it's great. But in my mind, this is pulling the, a million different answers and things and you're trying to be very logical. So I understand, but it, it's, it's, it's scary though. You know, it's, it's a, scary, but okay. You, you, we're having a great conversation here. Yeah. Because you prepared and you're ready to do this, and it, and you and you're we're having a great conversation. I mean, we don't have a good conversation unless you're doing a good job, because you're saying the right things to make me talk. So we're having a great conversation. Yeah. Which means you it might have been scary, but you're making it happen, right? And that's that's the whole thing is if you're afraid to fail, you know you won't take that step. And we weren't afraid to fail when we had to play a big game. We weren't no. afraid to fail when we had to walk into a trial. We we did it. Yeah. Uh, and there's a good chance you're going to get cut. There's a good chance you won't win the game. There's a good chance, whatever. Good chance you're going to play like shit. Who cares? You still do it. So you can't be afraid. And uh, like I said, you know, I, 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 you try things, you know. It's, uh, uh, like I said, worst, worst can happen. Doesn't work. That's a good then you try the next thing. Yeah. There's an old saying, too. It's like uh, some of the most successful people and the richest people were literally a stone's throw away from being bankrupt. Uh-huh. And if they hung in there just a little bit longer, they hit the good jackpot. Mm-hmm. And if they get quit, when all the adversity was hitting them, would never be the billionaire they are. Yeah. It, it, you can, and it's not one or two, you read the stories about people, Gates. Uh, Oprah, whoever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're this close yeah. to being nothing, but they keep persevering. Yeah. It's like the miner. There's a meme with the, with the two miners. The miner stops this short before all the gold, and the other miner just kept on going until he found it. Yeah, you know? And that's that's exactly it. Right? Yeah. It's uh, it's sometimes it's that simple. You just got to keep. And, and hey, what did we learn as athletes? You're you're gonna get your ass kicked. Hell yeah! Oh my you're goodness! Gonna, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. You're gonna get cut. You're gonna get like all these things are gonna happen. But and that's where I go back to having a goal, writing it down that. Um, if you if you're if those things happen and you have a goal, you know that okay now I got to redo my goal and keep going. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a goal, you get uh, it's just like well you're done, right? But you can't. So every time, for example, uh, you know when I when I blew out my knee playing for Canada, I came back and I played professionally six months after the date of surgery. Bro, you're a machine. Yeah, you know, but no please. No brace, no nothing. I found it. I found a doctor. I said, I don't want to wear a brace. He goes, you don't have to. How hard are you willing to work? And I worked. And so I just, I refocused. Had a goal. I said, I'm going to be playing in, I got tore my ACL July. I said, I'm playing January. Right? And, and, I, and, I, and I worked six hours, six, seven hours a day in my body. You know, you find new things. I remember sitting on my couch watching Michael Jordan when he broke his foot. Yeah. He's in a pool. He's in a pool. Yeah, I did that. So I go, ah. I call up the Syracuse swimming coach. I said, so they got a huge pool, like a pool is this deep on the side. Mm-hmm. Said, Can I come and work out in your pool? He said, yeah. I came in there. I went in there every day. And if you saw, if you looked over, you go, let's follow this guy. I ran for 40 minutes because we're playing FIBA 40 minutes. 
and then I played a four-minute basketball game by myself. So 80 so minutes. I'm, I'm jumping like I'm blocking shots. I'm shooting fadeaways. I'm, I'm playing a game. I got these sneakers on in the water, but I'm playing a game by myself in the water. I'm, I'm giving my body every movement I'd have in a basketball game and the conditioning aspect of it. Rebuilding my knee. And it puts and no pressure on your joints. Michael Jordan yeah. on TV. Because you remember back then, I didn't have a million doctors that guys have now helping. I didn't do this on my own. And I just didn't, I just like, but I, I had a goal that I want to plot. So what can I do to make that happen? So I see something, I'm going to try it. What's the worst that happened? Like, okay, does it work? But guess what? I walked out of the pool and go, oh my God, I feel so good. And mm-hmm. it made a huge difference, right? Mm-hmm. So you just, you, you find ways. And again, it's stimulating, right? Uh, you know, you, you go every day, you're working out. Hey, what if I try this? Hey, this is pretty cool. Something different, right? So you get stimulated again. Mm-hmm. So you got to find ways to do that, right? You have to. I'm going to change your name to, <laughs> to Wolverine in my phone. <laughs> I don't know how you're able to do all Six months is incredible. My goodness. Well, you know, I... There, okay, there's always luck. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> it's luck, but uh, I think today they're so cautious with athletes that, you know, a year and a half, two years is kind of a window. But, you know, I had a surgeon that said, you're replacing a ligament with a tendon. Tendons are stronger than ligaments. Yeah. You have one threshold you can't speed up, bone. Bone takes six months. So you're screwing into your bone, and the bone, that takes six months. For example, I have my back surgery. I feel like a million bucks, except I'm at five months. They did a bone graph and all this other stuff. That takes six months. You can't speed that up. Right. So nothing you can do about that. But everything else, I can accelerate and strengthen my body. So, like, I was 90% on my ACL after two and a half months, right? Because as long as they don't stress the, the bone, yeah. I can do everything else I need to do. And, uh, and get your range of motion back. And- everything. I had my range of motion back in... in Six days. Yeah, nah, you Wolverine, bro. That's crazy. No, but you got to, like, you, you know, you got to you gotta do it. Took me almost a month and a half to get my, I had the towel every day with, with the towel, pulling back and forth. Never got my range of motion back. I, that's something aside, like, when I had my back surgery, which is which was, like, was pretty involved uh, in April, um, I sent a video to my doctor. I got home on the sixth day, fifth day. On the seventh day, I sent a video to my doctor. Uh, I went to the gym and I was walking and doing all this stuff. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, most people with your surgery after a month are happy to get up, go to the bathroom and come back. Right? I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. You got to get up and get it. I got to do it. Now, as long as I'm, I'm not going to be stupid, like I'm going to show you what I'm doing and you tell me, is it okay? Or I'm, I'm doing, he goes, if you do this, this, and this, it's okay. I said, all right. So every time I try to do something new, I show, I send a video, can I do that? I show him machine, can I do that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and if he says yes, I'm on, I'm on, right? And like, uh, basically he sent us like four months ahead of schedule, right? So, but that's, so again, I could get down and, and it, like I was, hey, I hit, uh, I had, okay, I was watching a 30 for 30 with Bill Wallen. You know, that my son had it on, and I was watching it, and he, he, he had a point where he wanted to kill himself. Yeah? Uh, with his back. His back his, he happened with his feet, but his back was so bad. And he showed the pictures of his back and going, 
That's it. <laughs> right? But I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Alex McKechnie, director of sports science for the Raptors. You know, yeah, I know Alex. Alex, the load manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alex is a wonderful human being, and he's brilliant. And uh, uh, March, and tomorrow, I, I literally crawled. Uh, it took, I lived two blocks in the Social Bank Arena. Yeah. It took me almost 50 minutes to walk home. By the time I got to my condo, and I got off the elevator, I crawled on the floor to my door. I unlocked my door. I crawled in. My dogs, I get sued on. My dogs, like, all over me. I, crawl, I, I crawled to the couch. I think I saw you that day. It was, it was unbelievable. And uh, I, uh, I called Alex. I said, I can't do this anymore, man. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need help. Yeah. He, 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 he called. He had the team, gave me the number for the team psychology. He thought I was going to kill myself. I'm going, and so I know what Bill Walton's feeling. Yeah. But I was, no. I'm not killing myself, but what I need to know is I need to know an end. At that point, I had no surgeon. I had no answer. I had nothing. Mm. And I'm dealing with this pain. It was mind, mind bending pain. Yeah. So it was depressing. It was everything, right? Of course. I had no end. As soon as I had a surgeon and that, and I knew or now I had to wait for the Raptor season in. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to miss anything. Right, we're athletes, we don't miss games. Nah. <laughs> so, but I knew there was an end. So now no matter how much pain I got, I know it's gonna end and I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Prior to that, I know what Bill Walton was saying. Like, you, I, you, you, jump, you wanna jump off a bridge. It's excruciating, it's crazy. Uh, I was on more drugs than I could imagine. Like, you know, it's, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I don't like that. I don't like my body not being where it's supposed to be in my, my head with drugs, taking drugs. But I couldn't function without because the pain was so bad. But once I had an end game, I was okay. Yeah. Right. You just need that end game. So uh, and then so then you have surgery. Now you got a new end game. How fast can I be normal? Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you just got to keep adjusting, and it's 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 goals. It's it's and that's structure, right? I know that. Okay, I got to wake up today. I got to do this breathing stuff. I got to do this stuff. I got to do that stuff to get to where I want to be. Right. And you're still working on it even at, even now. I remember I saw you during during uh, when you could barely get up the steps. I remember that, man. Yeah, that was last season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I shouldn't even say. I mean, there I I'm in studio, and I I had so much taking so much stuff because of the pain. Like, we do a hit. I put my head down the glass. I was out, I was asleep. Yeah. And then I wake up do the next quarter hit. Like I that's how much pain like. We had these armrests on our seats and the studio thing is right here in yeah. the studio. And the pain going through my, my, my rear end and legs, I'm literally lifting myself up on my elbows and smiling at the camera, but I'm holding myself up and I couldn't straighten my legs, but the pain was like, and I'm talking like this, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And it was, it was horrible, right? Oh but like God. I said, you fight through it, you do it. Yeah. And, you know, you, but I did that all, but again, you don't do that if we hadn't gone through what we went through as athletes, right? So all that's our, all that's in our pocket, right. and athletes got to understand that we have all that in us, right? It's all there. It's got to find a new way to. It's got to find a way to bring it out in different manner, different fashion, right? And and uh, because we've we've got a training ground that is unbelievable. Yeah. 
and, and think of how many, how, many, how many great people have you been exposed to? How many coaches that have taught you stuff? How many lessons have you learned? How many people have you run into that we've been exposed to so many good things? It's in here, right? Yeah. Just got to bring it up. I want to I wanna end with a game, because I like games. So this one, this game is called 4-3. So it's three questions or statements. You can only answer with one word or one sentence. First one, basketball is. Joy. One thing you know now that you wish you knew as an athlete. One word or sentence. This is more of a statement. So you, uh, this is actually a question, but either way. Is that again? One thing you know now that you wish you knew as an athlete. I would not worry about shit. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, third one. If I was to say, how has your transition been? What would you say? So. Well, with that being said, we're going to smoothly uh take a take an exit but I, i'd like to say leo thank you so much for doing this you don't owe me shit and uh it's been a pleasure getting to know you i've watched you on tv majority of my life and um it means the world to me that yeah, you'd even be here <laughs> we're not gonna say that <laughs> but uh we're i i just wanted to say you know it, it it means the most to me that you're here that you're willing to do this um and be vulnerable and and and, and talk about this and i think it's going to help a lot of people and it's definitely helped me so uh you know for the bottom of my heart thank you so much for being here appreciate it hey that's all about we gotta take care of each other that's uh, the i appreciate that that's man the this world's gotta be yeah yeah hey if you like this podcast it would mean the most to me and our team if you could like comment and subscribe to our channel